Happy Tuesday. Good morning, everybody. It is the 5th of <gasps> September. What? We made it to September. We did. It's September. Look at this. What a great job we did mm-hmm. going to sleep and waking up in the morning. And it's September already. It is. Yeah, kind of looking like September outside, but I know it's still warm, but that's good for yeah, us. Yeah, it's still still summer. Yeah, it is here. Yeah. Yeah, we like yeah, that. Yeah, here. It's, right. still, yeah. it's still whatever season it's, you're in, wherever you are. It's still c- cool and or cold, I think, in South Africa, but anyway. Yeah. Yay. Well, we don't have a birthday that we've been made aware of for today specifically. No. But we have a birthday coming this week that we we just cannot have a podcast and not say happy birthday to Aita. Aita. Oh my goodness. She's all things unicorns and rainbows and magic and just makes our life so wonderful. She does. Yeah. We're very grateful for the wonder of Aita. And yeah, just how she takes, she, she'll just come right into the middle of an imagination we have and just says, what time should I be there? And, and then just, yeah, just brings mystery and magic to it. And we're, we love you so much. We do. Happy birthday Thursday, Aita. Yes. We're very excited with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully yes. you're excited too. Yes. Every, every new year is something to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. She loves to celebrate these passages. We do. Mm-hmm. What's well, a big week? I it mean, is. It's not, not a small week, I don't think, with Rosh Hashanah and no, that's... being next week. <laughs> and, right. Uh, but the preparation for, for all things coming to a completion yes. is just a big deal. We are, we are rehearsing Psalm twenty-seven and blowing the shofar each day as we as we come into through Elul and into Tishri and the feast and and up to Yom Kippur. So very yeah, very big days for sure. Very much so. Yeah, it's like we're stewarding the lasts of fifty-seven eighty-three. Yes. As we go bowling into 5784. Yeah. Because as we come to Sukkot, we will change season. We will come into autumn and we'll have that, that transition from, from summer to fall. And that's it's a really precious thing, actually. So It is. Mm-hmm. Most exciting. Yeah. Well, we continue to receive... Tehillah praise testimonies, and we're so grateful for that. We continue to not receive them at the email address, <laughs> Tehillah at blueflame47.com. I did have someone write me, though, and say, I'm not putting my testimony in here because I'm sending it to the email. So, But we are just grateful to be getting them. Yes, we are. Yeah, verbal, texts, emails. But yeah, we've got this email address, and it is private, so don't feel like that it's going directly to the right. general public. Only we see it, yeah. yeah. But anyway, send it if you choose to, Tehila. Maybe it's the spelling, I don't know, T-E-H-I-L-L-A-H. Yeah, I appreciated the week where you did the, was it called the call signs for it? The call signs. Yeah, it's such a long word, though, it got a little, you, you're the 
I know there's other people. So when I say this, somebody's going to be like, I know him, but you are the only <laughs> physical person I know who knows those call signs and actually uses them accurately. Like when I'm on a call, you know, a customer service thing or whatever, and I'm spelling something, I just think of whatever word, first word that comes to mind that that letter begins. And But you you know them. I actually got a little sign. We have it at Teva that has those call signs. And it's in our laundry room just because I was so impressed when I saw it that I knew someone that not only knew those but actually used them accurately. Way to go. I've, I'm tracking. I'm tracking. <laughs> We're talking about like the military yeah. call signs, yeah. tang- tango, yeah. echo. Yeah. Hotel, India. Yeah. Lima, Lima. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It doesn't make Alpha. sense, though, because sometimes it's like Lima. I don't know what that means. But then sometimes it's like Mike. And I don't know. Like, just if it's going to be fancy, make them all be fancy. You would think. Yeah. But not always. So um, thank you for sending us your Tehila praise yes. testimonies. We are so grateful. In fact, we'll get into a little bit why here in a second. As we um, continue to marinate in praise, and I think I think what's so cool is that Elohim wants us to marinate because when we do, then we get a deeper and wider understanding not only of the 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 universe, all of creation, who we are, and what role we play in uh, in the universe and all of creation. And so I'm going to reread a bunch of Bible verses from August Rush. This one is Psalm 148, verse 3 through 10. And I spent a little bit of time in Psalm 148 in this chapter, the power of praise. And in what the psalmist does is the psalmist goes through and, and lists basically everything that was created and, and not only says that they praise God, but actually in the song of the psalm is calling them to praise God. And this is such a revelation for us of what was happening thousands of years ago. And now here we are, maturing sons and daughters of God, called by our King Jesus to uh, do not only all the things that the Father sent him to do, but collectively that we would actually see greater works than what Jesus did. And so knowing that, we we have something to continue to discover, something to continue to embrace and to step into. So how it starts is praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Now, you can just spend a week on he commanded and they were created, because this gets us back to Tehillah. And Tehillah, we've already identified Tehillah as being this Hebrew word whose spirit-revealed covenant is the adult breath brings government governmental authority to create. And so 
we want to know that when we speak, our exhale, whether it's song or whether it's word, when we speak, there is a governmental authority, a governmental authority of the universe for bringing creation, which is an inheritance. I mean, as soon as you hear that spirit-revealed covenant from Tehillah, and instead of the call signs, let's do Hebrew. We've got Tav, Hey, Lamed, Lamed, Hey. And from those Hebrew uh, letters, we get this covenant. We get, wow, what, what is the Spirit saying to us today about this word, Tehillah? And the answer is, is that adult, which is the maturing sons and daughters of God, breath, which is spirit, which is our exhale, which is ruach in Hebrew. When we exhale, when we breathe, when we, when we speak out or sing out, when our spirit is released, there is a, an authority to create. And, and what we see in Psalm 148 is that God commanded and they were created. God spoke just like we are, are now speaking because we did it accidentally for most of our lives. Now we're doing it intentionally because God's called us to do it and we're, this is our journey. This is what our daily bread needs to be right now is, is, is including in everything that we do, recognizing the authority of our breath for creating and how, as you know from the power of praise, that chapter we did in August Rush, that, that Jesus' miracles were tied to this. Jesus released Tehillah, and when Jesus did, it brought that authority to create, and we call those miracles. But what's really happening is, is Jesus brought praise. So we're going to dive a little deeper in that today so that we understand who we are and what we're doing. So after that, it, the Psalm continues that the Lord established all of these things forever and ever, gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. And so then the psalmist continues by calling the um, all of creation on the earth. So we, we've already done the highest heavens, the waters above the heavens, the sun and the moon, and the shining stars. Now we're on the earth and the psalmist is calling for the sea creatures, all the deeps, the fire, the hail, snow, mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains, hills, fruit trees, cedars, beasts, livestock, creeping things, all the flying birds, everything that was listed as having been created to praise the Lord. This is all Psalm 148, verses 3 through 10. So, what, we've, what we're going to just look at here is we're going to use a language that is, is more understandable by people who don't know God as much as it should be for those who do. Because we who know God know that God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8, God is love. So when we talk about praise, what we want to see is that the breath of praise creates as it reveals who God is. And who God is, is love. And so every time we say a testimony, 
Every time we speak out our testimonies, every time we speak out our gratitude, just like Jesus did when Jesus created enough fish to feed 5,000 people plus the, the, the women and the children that were present. Sorry, that's just the way it was written in the Bible, but 5,000 men and then the women and children who weren't numbered tragically, but should have been. Um, so Jesus created that fish by giving thanks. See, his gratitude was the breath that created those fish. We have something to learn from that as maturing sons and daughters of God. And what is happening is, is, is that every testimony, all the gratitude, and all the descriptions of the goodness, the goodness of God are revelations of love. It's revelations of what love is, who love is. And, and we see that as praise. We are revealing the, the goodness of God. But look at it this way. God commanded and all of the universe was created. So what was the command of God? Well, you know, let there be light. But let's go into the deeper part of this. God expressed what love was and how good love is. And, and that goodness is meant to be the, the call sign, if you will, for creation to know love, for creation to know the beauty of love, the goodness of love, the greatness of love, how love is all of the things that Paul described in 1 Corinthians 13, patience, kindness, all of the selflessness of love. So when we see this through the eyes of God, who is telling He's speaking, all God did was speak out, this is what love is. This is how good love is. And in that breath was the command, let there be light. So, so with love, there is light. Jesus, Jesus is the light of the world. And then Jesus said that we are the light of the world, right? And so we see love in the very fabric of creation, so now, if you understand that God does this, Elohim does this, Elohim speaks out the goodness of love. Elohim reveals love because Elohim is love. So if, if Elohim does that, certainly the sons and daughters of God do the same. And that's our call. So, so look at this simple, I, I made a little flow chart. It's really simple. Are you ready? The breath of our praise describes love. This creates. The breath of our praise describes love. And this creates. You want to do the miracles Jesus did? You want to follow what Jesus said in the Gospel of John chapter 20? Verse 21, as the Father sent me, so also I send you. So in everything that, that the Father sent 
Jesus to do, Jesus sends us to do. If you want to respond to what Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, they will do greater works than I did. When we see that, are we going to step into that? How are we going to do that? We've been trying for 2,000 years to do the miracles that Jesus did. We haven't seen, we have not seen a generation walk on water. We have not seen a generation teleport a boat miles. We've not seen those kinds of things in the church. And so so it's because, you know, those things only happened 2,000 years ago. And no, that's not it. Now we know the breath of our praise describes love. This creates that power and authority of creation. The governmental authority to create and the power of creation are all in the breath of our praise, which describes love. And whenever we describe love, we're describing God. That's our testimonies, our gratitude, our descriptions of the goodness of God. The power of this is so far-reaching that we just we just have to marinate in it. We've got to soak in this and soak in it for a long time. So I included in this uh, this podcast the Shabak praise, which was from Psalm eighty nine, verse nine. You, the Lord, rules. You rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise. You still them. Okay, we're revealing something very crucial here, and we're going to get to it in just a second. Let's just go through this again quickly. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. The word still is shabach, and shabach is another word for praise. So within the the, um, common known definition of the word shabach in Hebrew, Hebrew 76.23, this is all from August Rush, it, it means to commend, it means to laud, or to praise God. All of this is in the definition of that word. So that is the stilling of the raging sea, the stilling of the, the rising waves. So, so what we see is, is when creation veers from praise, the maturing sons and daughters of God come with the authority to command their return. So we are seeing creation veering from praise. Now, I just went through Psalm 148, and it says that all of creation praises. Why on earth would creation veer from praise? Why would it stop speaking about love? And the answer is because 8 billion people are are our exhaling breath of selfishness or sin, as we say in, in our belief system. Sin, which, which is that which separates us from God. Why does it separate us from God? Because sin is just selfishness, and God is love, and love is not self-seeking, right? And so because love is not self-seeking, God is selfless, God is love, Love is selfless. So creation was singing the praises. Creation was revealing the selflessness of love until humanity began exhaling the breath of selfishness. And when we did that, we caused creation to veer. 
from revealing love to expressing selfishness because God gave that authority to humanity. And it is an irrevocable gift and call. Irrevocable gifts and call, we know from Romans eleven twenty nine, just saying that, that this is why Jesus, in Matthew 8, verse 25 through 26, was asleep on a boat. I love that. You know, this is, we're going to do what Jesus did. We're going to take more naps. <laughs> Amen. So Jesus is taking a nap. They wake him up. Save us, Lord. We are perishing, the, the disciples said to Jesus. Jesus said, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? O you of little relationship with God, because if you had an intimate relationship with God that was deepening, God would have shown you the authority that God's given to the sons and daughters. So then Jesus rose and rebuked the winds and the sea. Everything that we see from Psalm 89 verse 9, Jesus did, and there was a great calm So when Jesus rebuked the winds and the sea, Jesus came with the authority to command creation to return. Jesus called them to Shabbat. He called them to praise. And with that praise is the stillness, the calm, because that's what God created the the sea to be is calm. And uh, this this is a miracle, this Tehillah praise. I know you and I, we've been practicing this because we've been on we've been going to the lake, we've been mm-hmm. on the boat. We get into the boat and there's these high winds and sometimes it's fun because we can feel creation uh, actually praising in the wind. And then sometimes it's not and we we know there's something wrong here. And what what do we do? We ask Elohim to shine the light of Jesus, reveal the the hidden sins. We forgive the people who are sinning with the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And then we call the the sea, we call the in our case the lake <laughs> and the winds to return to Shabbat. And they do. Yeah. And and it's cool. Yeah, the the lake's flat as a pancake all of a sudden because it returned. So so these are the things that we're not going to just talk about. We're going to do these now because we did them accidentally. We're doing them intentionally now. So this is our marinade, is to live in these things. So the maturing sons and daughters of God return all of creation back to praise. Understand that not all of this relates to the storms of the sea. This could be, what about wars and battles? What about emotional disagreements? What about arguments between people? What about the, the, the four A's of a locked gate when people have become, uh, they're starting to accuse each other and they get angry and then they build alliances against another person and start acting like everything's fine, but it's not. And they've isolated somebody. What, 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 what would you do when that storm is taking place? Well, it's the same thing. We need light. We need the blood of Jesus and we need creation because humanity is created too to return to praise. And that's Shabbat, to remember love. So um, one last thing to kind of get us to just complete this is we talked about magnetism 
and magnetism, that physical attribute attribute in all of the universe uh, through a magnetic field that allows objects to attract or repel each other. And we, we find the source of this very common source in, in all of the universe is this dipole concept. You have a South Pole and a North Pole, and that this, this is kind of shows the flow of the magnetic field in the universe. But of course, obviously, that originated in our understanding of the planet Earth, because we have a North and a South Pole. So Psalm 89, again... Uh, and we're going to skip a verse. We'll skip verse 10. Isn't that crazy? So we, Psalm 89 was, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waters rise, you still them, Shabbat. So now we're going to go to Psalm 89, verse 11 through 12. Just skip 10. So, th- so I'm going to do the full version, then I'm going to sift it. So the full version is, the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all that is in it. You have founded them, the north and the south. You have created them, Tabor, the mountain in the south of Israel, and Hermon, or Hermon, in the, the mountain in the north, or the, the northernmost mountain of Israel. Joyously praise your name. So now let me sift it. The north and the south, joyously praise your name. And this is when Elohim said to us that the source of magnetism, which is the great mystery of science, the, the source of magnetism is praise. It is sewn into the fabric of the universe. And what is it? It is the revelation of love. That's what it is. The entire universe is held together in a fabric of, of this revelation of love, the goodness of love, selflessness, the goodness of patience, the goodness of kindness, the goodness of taking care of each other and being selfless. And so when we see this, um, and, and I went through in, in August Rush, we looked at the word north and south. Again, we've looked at it many times, but Safon is north and Yamin is south. And the spirit revealed covenants that God gave us for this one was so incredibly revealing because of the the chapter that we're going through. So Safon, which is north, when the chosen generation, that's the maturing sons and daughters of God, speaks, seeds open and then sprout. There, there's an actual, think of a seed it is, is dry, it's sitting on a tabletop, it'll sit there for years and just be there. But if you put it in soil, good soil, and water it, it will open and sprout. And what God is saying through the covenant of the north is that when the maturing sons and daughters of God, Tehillah prays, when we speak, when we uh, exhale our adult breath with the governmental authority to create, it is the soil and the water that causes a seed to open and sprout. So what is the Spirit Revealed Covenant of South, or Yamin? It is the order of water completes the seed. And so there is this order in our breath. As we go forward, 
we ask God to shine the light and God leads us through the steps to take to see the seeds that have been sown all over the world germinate, open, sprout, grow, and produce the fruit of this planetary harvest that is the Revelation 14.14 harvest. And so the fabric of the universe is praise. Wow. All of the universe is, and, and we've known this, but, but if you put this in the context of creation reveals love. Now, we believers will say creation reveals God because that's, that's praising God is revealing the goodness of God. But to the world, it's love. This is a language that everybody speaks. Everybody gets that. We are the authority that reigns, rules and reigns, as it says in Revelation 12, rules and reigns by reversing the trajectory of selfishness, which veered creation from praising. All over the universe right now, we see the signs of the storms. We see the signs of the battles and the wars. We see the signs of divided people. We see these signs that we're seeing right now. If we disassociate those from who we are, we will just be spectators. We'll just be thermometers that tell that the temperature is off and, oh no. But if we remember who we are, remember that, that creation, having veered from the trajectory of love, is not okay. And humanity's the one that did it. We're the ones that reverse it. And we do so with that authority of praise. Every time we respond to God and and begin declaring the goodness of God, remember your testimonies. Those Shabbat testimonies we do every week, Mm -hmm. make them every day. Remember our testimonies. Express our gratitude, just like Jesus did when he created fish describe the goodness of God. And when we do that, we're going to see creation return, return to praise. Yeah. I, you know, getting to be in a moment recently where uh, we were unlocking the South, we were unlocking the friendship covenant, that place between wrestle and rest. And, and we did that at water, you know, at the Salt River in in Cape Town, and we got to we got to see the river respond. We got to see the water respond. We got to see all around us creation, including people, begin to praise in unique ways. Like even you know, it wasn't all you know, stopping, raising hands, and singing a song. It was like people be a curiosity arose you know and and they recognized that something had changed in the place that we were and there was this desire to be part of it without even understanding it they entered into the the praise that was unlocked as the friendship covenant as the south was unlocked in in that place and so it's it's just very remarkable to hear this again and have that that resonating inside me like that moment when it 
it opened when it unlocked and then you know we get to steward it from here and and that's what happens when we occupy what has been given to us when we occupy what has been open to us and so i want to continue in that place of occupying in in some things we're soon to occupy <laughs> which is which is the feast um and I, I quickly, I want to thank those of you who have been sending me testimonies of the prayer time that we had to bless the mother judges and father kings. And, uh, and someone asked, are we going to continue on with that? We are, probably as we come through the feast, but I am going to continue Occupy. So we've said on the past few podcasts that we are savoring, we're savoring summer right now. And we, we realized after August rush and, and our summit and all of that, we, we still had summer left where it's easy to, for us to look back at summer and be like, oh, well, we had immersion. We had, you know, all these things that kind of kept us in a, a certain place, but, but we were held in summer. And so we came through you know, into mid-August and realized we wanted to savor summer while, you know, the, the heat is there and we've had very real heat here. Um, but we, we really wanted to savor it. We wanted to, to really just take in the marrow of it, you know, just the fullness of what a season is. And so whether you're in summer or winter, you know, we're, we have different seasons that we're in in different places, but to savor these last days of, of the season that we're in because there's something so powerful in doing that. First of all, just being content right where you are, right where Elohim is doing what Elohim is doing is, is a pretty astounding place to be. And to be able to recognize that though there may be some uncomfortable things in it, um, that that's the wrestle to rest where we, we choose that contentment, we choose to occupy that season. So for us, that's been summer. We've been savoring summer and really, um, really looking at the transition in seasons because, you know, as we come into Sukkot, we will transition, like we said, to fall. And so looking at summer, we're in here, we're in our last um, weeks of summer. And the, the word for summer in Hebrew is kaitz. And something I've recognized as we've been savoring seasons, and we didn't start this with this summer, we've been doing this for a bit, is that the covenant of seasons is to recognize how love has matured. The purpose of seasons is for love to grow and mature and to change us and to mature us. And so with each season, we get to see what has matured, what love has matured in us, what, what are we deeper in and, and farther gone. We're just farther gone into love, you know, and, and there's just no way out now because we choose that. We choose 
no way out of love because we want to go into the fullness of it. We want to be the fullness of it because we are of love. You know, we are of love. So, so summer, the word is kaitz, and that's kaf, yod, tav, zayin. And I pulled together from that the transition to open space and time and reveal what is given in intimacy and release it in praise that crowns the maturing bride. So that's a covenant of summer. So some of the meanings of kaitz is to is to pick fruit. It's a harvest time. Summer is a time of harvest. Um, some of the big harvest of summer are dates and grapes, pomegranates and figs. And these are all um, elements of something to come. So summer, that word kaitz means to clip off or to harvest basically, but it also means to spend the harvest. So I think there's two meanings to that. How do we spend the harvest? Are we, are we seeing the goodness of God? Are we seeing what has grown from what was planted? Are we seeing that everything was provided for there to be a harvest and, and entering into that and also spending the harvest? And one of the ways we spend the harvest of summer is by what we bring into fall and what we bring into the fall feasts. And um, so these, these fruits that I mentioned, the, the dates, the grapes, the pomegranates, and figs, these are all fruits that decorate sukkahs. So when we build our sukkah and we prepare it and we make it, you know, a temporary home um, in that moment and, and celebrate everywhere we've been and everywhere we've yet to be with Elohim. Um, and we're celebrating how love has grown. We, we're spending the harvest. And, and there's a, a deeper shade of this in that, you know, the people of that day would, they recognize so much more readily how creation responded in praise and provided for them. How creation helped the woman, which we talked about a bit in Occupy. And that was because each of these fruits has a healing property. There's something healing within it. There's a provision in it. So dates are antifungal and antibacterial. Um, they, they are an aid for inflammation or reducing inflammation and have even been found to, to help with Alzheimer's. And then grapes help the immune system. They lower blood pressure. They help strengthen bones. Um, and then pomegranates have amazing antioxidants they also reduce inflammation. Um, they help with urinary health, and they also help increase endurance for exercise. So then figs also help with blood pressure. They help reduce fat, fat levels, which improves vascular health, and they're also very healing for the reproductive system. But this is my favorite one. The fig covers a blemish, you can place it over a blemish, a wound, and it heals it. 
And this was primarily the healing property. You know, some of these are more modern recognitions of what these fruits do, but they knew these things then. And the, the very specific thing they knew about a fig was that it covered, you could cover a blemish with it, and it would heal it. It would heal a wound or a blemish. And that that just means so much to me coming into a very bridal time where this is a rehearsal, the fall feast or a rehearsal of the wedding to the wedding, you know, of, of really a rehearsal for the bride. And so looking at these fruits a bit is the four covenants. I just saw fig as betrothal, that nothing between us, every blemish covered, like even the idea that the fig covers or there's this, you know, a tone means to cover. And so anything that would be between anything someone would hold against themselves, there's this this provision for it in the summer harvest. And this is a way that love grows in the summer is to recognize that every wound has a cover. Every wound has a covering that heals, and that's, that's the, the cover of love. Love covers a multitude of sins. It washes them away. It erases them. It overwhelms us. It removes everything that doesn't belong to make way for all that does. And so, so in that, I was very drawn to the fig. Just in this, as, as the summer harvest I want to spend is the fig. I want to be covering everyone with that kind of love, with the love that we are of, the one that that removes blemishes and allows us to truly see each other as who we are and who we're created to be. So in looking at the fig, you know, that took me to Jeremiah 5, and this is a, a segment of history where Judah was taken captive by Babylon and there's just all these things happening. The election results didn't go as predicted. And we've, we've talked about this before. But through this captivity, Babylon did something interesting where they didn't take everyone. They didn't take everyone with them. They only took those who might cause trouble or revolt. So that included the young and healthy who could make weapons, um, and so it included also the royal family that, that Daniel belonged to. And so those who could cause any kind of uprising, you know, had any kind of power or authority, though that's who they took. And they, they left others behind. And they really took them not so much to serve them, but to prevent an uprising. And... Uh, so along the way, a large contingent of the captives revolted, and they escaped, and they went back to Judah. And this is really important about occupying the place that you're in, because they didn't trust Papa's plan. They didn't trust that there was a plan, and so they couldn't savor the season or be content and it was captivity. That's a hard place to be content. But it, but it matters that we look at this because we're in a world that's held captive. And we may be part of a plan. We are part of a plan for the freedom 
of so many more than us. So many more people than just us. That's, that's our about. You know, it's what we're about. And so you have a whole group that escapes. They go back to Judah. They don't just go back, but they assassinate the Babylonian governor. And then they chase all the armies out of Jerusalem. Now, they're actually aware that that there's going to be retaliation, and you know it's it's going to be worse for them. So they they kind of hatch a plan to flee to Egypt, not knowing that Egypt is in on all of this with Babylon. Jeremiah had tried to warn them; they didn't listen, and they forced Jeremiah to go to Egypt with them. We don't know much more of what happened after that with them, but Jeremiah says in chapter 5 of his book, that he, he compares the people to figs, to good figs and bad figs. The, the good figs were those who were in harmony with the plan or the season that they were in. They were savoring the season, which doesn't mean, you know, that this was all enjoyable, but they were aware that Elohim was moving. They were aware that Elohim was doing something and they could trust Elohim in what they were doing. They could place their trust somewhere. They could be in harmony with the plan even when they didn't understand it. The bad figs were discord. Those who were in discord, they were disagreed with that, that Papa even had a plan, much less what it was. And so this is really about togetherness. It's about unity. Because, you know, in discord, you can be unified in discord. Because you can be unified in uh, offense, in discontent, in disagreement. And, you know, and it's, it goes to those four A's where you're looking for the person to agree with you so you're right instead of being able to respond and, and reconcile. So Jeremiah is talking about this division that there is and that there's this need for it to be reconciled. And the reconciliation is not going to come through taking sides. It's going to come through the idea that many were caught in the chaos, but there were some who looked for beauty, who understand that there is beauty to be birthed from chaos. Daniel and his friends looked for beauty. They were faithful to the idea that everything the Lord does has beauty, or bears beauty, brings it. So Jeremiah talks about these figs, and so it's it's those in, in harmony with God's plan or those who are in discord, who who don't want to enter into it, who are really locked in the wrestle, you know, and haven't come to that place of rest. And what Jeremiah says is that the Lord is going to acknowledge those who, who are looking for beauty, who are holding harmony, who want this unity more than they want their own freedom. They want to be captivated with a people, with each other. They want to be so captivated by their God that the chaos is just a place to look for beauty. It's just a place to midwife something. It's just a place to birth what he's always intended. 
And the word used for acknowledge, which is nakar, is an interesting word because it it has this um, incomplete idea to it, which means the Lord would continuously acknowledge them. He would continuously reveal them. They would be a bright light shining in a world held captive, just as we are. So nakar means to recognize, to take notice by, by setting apart. It's this place of standing out. Just as Daniel and his friends were recognized by the king, in that place where the people, you know, they were taken so they couldn't have an uprising. And think about that is, is so much of our story, the enemy trying to keep us from rising up. And this is the dimension we're in, to arise, to shine. Like this is, this is what Jeremiah is talking about. So you had craftsmen and businessmen and engineers, and the Lord caused them to be recognized in that community, in that chaos, they were recognized and they were able to bring forth beauty. They were not only recognized, they were rewarded for who they were. So their, their design was recognized and welcomed even in a pagan place, a place that seemed like it couldn't recognize anything but chaos. So there were, there were many in this story who were faithful, and then there were many that had a heart for the Lord, but they got caught up in the prosperity of their own lives, their cares, the things that it took to, to live daily instead of the, the season of a heart maturing, of love maturing and growing. And, and this idea matters because when we come into the feast, there's always a social justice context. There's always a way that, that we rise and we shine to reveal who God is to someone and that there is a place of freedom, there's a place of belonging, there's a place of hope for them. And so much of the holidays, the Hebrew holidays, the holy days, um, is about that, is about that revelation that we bring of who God is, what has been given, and that we will share it, we will offer it. We, we offer it, we bring that offering to the temple, and that temple might just be another person that is also the temple of the Lord. And so when, when the idea of the, the holy days, the holidays first comes, the Lord says to Moses, Moses, tell the people of Israel about these, the appointed times of God, which they should call holy occasions. In that moment, the Lord defined the feast and festivals as holy. And there's this word, kadusha, which means holiness. And I love its meaning so much because this is all I really want to say <laughs> is kadusha, holiness means to make a place for another. To enter into holiness is to make a place for another. Now, this is, this is how we're going to open space and time. We're going to occupy space and time through these fall feasts. Kadusha is about creating space for others. Elohim created space for us from the start, a, a space for us to exist, and we tend to that space so others have room. So that's part of our charge is to tend to the space that was created 
at the beginning in the let there be. We also are called to create space for Papa, for Elohim, which is the temple, which is us. So to make room, to, to know, to sift and sort, you know, part of, part of harvesting is that threshing floor. Um, where we we see the things that that don't belong that could be a source that could you know be a false supply and we let those go and just take hold of of our God. So we get to to make this space and it, it's part of the plan of the priesthood. The the priests were dedicated to God's space or the space of God to letting God be vast, letting Elohim be as big as they are and become bigger by the day through who we are. And so revealing the space of God, being part of that space. And, and such a huge element of it was recognizing God as the source, that there would be a place set aside for God to provide so think about that for a second. In your day, making, setting aside a space for Elohim to provide, for them to protect, for them to uh, nourish, for them to navigate, actually setting aside a space in your day for them to be who they are, you know, to just have the space to be vast, to be big, and become bigger by the minute. So making a place for another person is defined in different ways. It's not just respecting someone's boundaries, but it's inviting them within yours. Your pleasant lines drawn in pleasant places, inviting them to the temple, you know, to see what a place prepared for God feels like, you know, not what we teach them about it, but what they get to experience from being with us as we are in in God. We're in that place, that space. And then another way we create a place for others is not just in space, but in time. When we make time for someone, we give them a place to be. We give them a place to belong. We give them a place in our life. And this is what the feast are, you know, invite us to. We have, we have our weekly date night, right? Our Shabbat, where we have we have been about the business of of enlarging the space of god and at shabbat we we intersect space and time by giving this time to celebrate everything elohim did and everything we experienced and all that we know that we didn't know all that we understand that we didn't understand every mystery that was open to us we celebrate at Shabbat and that's like our date night the festivals are like our vacation you know they're holidays they're like a vacation that we take it's a place in time that we have together a space in time that we have together where we we recognize and we recommit to this relationship. We have this clarity in the present moment that there's nowhere else that we want to be. So feasts take us from moments, the moed, to the tamid, the always, to this expression of time at all times. The feast rehearse for us 
space and time that always is with Elohim, where we don't get caught up in trying to provide for ourselves, um, protect ourselves, any of those things that we do, defend ourselves, um, align ourselves, you know, with because we have such a heart for reconciliation that we would recognize now when someone is trying to get us to align with them, to agree against another person, that we could be for unity, we could be for harmony, we could be for reconciliation. And so it, the the feast, this vacate, these vacations we take, reckon us to the truth that in God's space there is always time for relationship. And it's that that fight that we have with time sometimes. Oh, I was going to do that. I didn't get to it. But that space and time are both sacred places where there is always room for relationship. And so they allow us, the feasts allow us to reorient to that relationship and remind us why we're in it and why we would not want to leave it. You know, the people of that day could often betray intimacy. Worship for them was, and for us, was to foster, to build, to create time and space for this relationship with God. That's what that's what worship is. And then praise reveals that relationship. And but they they would use those elements outside of the context of their relationship with God to win over or curry favor, you know, a, a, another God through through these uh, rituals and things like that. The things they knew to do to foster relationship with God, they would do instead to get something for themselves. You know, quicker, faster, easier, all of those things. So. The feast really invite us to see space and time as sacred, a sacred place where we, we grow in our relationship with God. We mature in love so that we don't just invite the Lord in to our places, but we look for the place we never leave. We look for the place outside of chaos, the place that we that we choose when there is chaos, no matter what all these other forces, all other all these other sources are, there is nowhere else we would be. Where else would we go than occupying the space and time where relationship grows, where it's nourished, where we it becomes so vast and so big that that those looking see harmony. They hear, you know, discord is not a good song. It doesn't bring a good song. Harmony is a song that we get to sing together, and, and it leads to the part of the covenant of fall or autumn, which is to rejoice. We get to rejoice. These fall feasts lead us into the covenant of fall, which is to rejoice, to celebrate, but it's not just to celebrate, it's to celebrate together or to praise, to come to this place together where we are praising and creating all things new, the things that somebody next to us or across from us needs to be able to choose and have their own sacred place of relationship. 
So another thing that this idea of holiness, this kadusha, holiness, where we make room, means is to make room for Elohim's name. And that is going to be the dimension that we're occupying in this coming year. Yahweh, the name, the name, what the name means to us. And that reveals who we will be to the world, because who we know is who we become. Who we're of is who we reveal. And we will reveal Elohim to the world. In apps recently, well, for some time, I've just felt it's important to ask each person, who, who are you calling out to right now? What is the name that is, is resonating you, that means the most to you? And I think it's, it's preparing for this dimension that we can meet each other and, and allow each other to sanctify the name, to make room for the name of, of God that we're each calling on, crying out to, and, and celebrate that naming, that, that we are in the days of naming our God, like giving Him a name, giving them a name that makes them recognizable, makes them so recognizable that Nakar makes them so set apart that someone who has never seen can see. And last thing for me, we were watching something uh, date night last night, and we were watching something we'd watched before, but this line really caught me. And I'm, I may not have it exact, but it says, when you live so long in prophecy, revelation is a shock. And what stirred in me was we are so, you know, we live in abundant revelation. Like each of us, we each are able to have the Lord revealed to us in, in small ways and large ways, but they're all, you know, magnificent because it's our God revealing themselves to us. Elohim is revealing themselves to us, you know, in so many ways as companion, as, as groom, as, as nurturer, you know, just, just to name a few. <laughs> and so, what stirred in me was when you live so long in revelation, prophecy is a shock. And what that meant to me was I never want to forget we are, we are fulfilling prophecy here. We are the fulfillment of prophecy. We are the heirs of prophecy. Everything, when, when Jesus read from that scroll in Isaiah and then rolled it up and sat down and it became a baton passed to us, that I don't want it to come to a shock to me that we, we are fulfilling prophecy with every breath, with every praise, with every interaction with each other. We are carrying the prophecy forward and its completion and its fulfillment. And that's a really big deal. <laughs> Pretty big deal. So, yeah. Occupy the feast. I'm very excited about it. Uh, me too. I love um, the Ushpazin connection <laughs> with making time for someone to give them a place to be that um, that God spoke of this idea of the 
the booths or the sukkahs where we're we're being family and we're we're welcoming and and feasting and celebrating the goodness of God. What a picture that is! It's such a joy to have you know. I, I know you and I were not born in in a you know in a religion that celebrated the feasts, right? Yeah. But but we you know Elohim revealed it to us and and said, hey, you know these things that I said year, thousands of years ago. They're so good and what an incredible journey it has been. We've fallen in love with all of those holy days. They're, yeah. they're wonderful days for uh, the Kadusha. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like perfect for making a place for one another. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a glorious expression of love. Yeah. All right, beautiful people. We will see you tonight, live stream. Uh, just a reminder, we do start at 6 now. And um, so... Blue Army will be, goodness, just ushering us into the most wondrous places, and uh, and we'll be choosing to be right there. So we will see you tonight. We'll see you then. <laughs>